chasing him down. Sometimes we're calling out and doing whatever to connect with God. But when you're in the middle of worship or wherever you're at, and you're sensing his presence, it's a moment to be treasured and to be, you lean into it. You know what I mean? You lean into that place. You don't have to press in, but you kind of put other things on pause and you say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to still myself and focus on what he's doing. Because he wants to do something with his presence. He wants to pour out his presence on us. And there's a, there's a purpose to his presence that is really important for us. And that's kind of what we want to talk about today um, is uh, the purpose of his presence and the rest that he wants to bring. A couple of weeks ago, it was Pentecost Sunday. And of course, we remember the story that's written about in the second chapter of Acts. Did you guys have any kind of focus on that at all? We did. To call that? You did not. Well, that's all right. Because um, we're talking about it tonight. Excellent. So, um, <clears throat> so if you remember the story, the, Jesus died on the cross and then he rose from the grave. And he's spending some time with his disciples. And then he tells them to wait in Jerusalem until they receive the Holy Spirit. So they're waiting in Jerusalem. And they're probably, I would imagine, talking about, well, what does that mean? to receive the Holy Spirit. You know, what, does this, what is this going to look like? And then one day, while they're gathered together and praying, there's a sound of a mighty rushing wind. And then, over each person's head, there's this flame of fire. I mean, you can imagine that being in this room right now and seeing something like that, hearing something like that. And then they start to speak in other languages and somehow it all pours out onto the street and, and people start remarking and asking questions, right? So that's the day, that was on the day of Pentecost, that the Holy Spirit was poured out. Jesus told them to wait. He said, wait for this to happen. Don't do anything just yet. Um, but you'll receive power when this happens. And so this is in the midst of happening and people are asking questions. And Peter stands up and he, he raises his voice. He stands up with the other 11 apostles and he starts to explain this is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that was prophesied by Joel. This is what's happening right now. And then he goes on to explain who Jesus is. He's like, you know who Jesus really is? And he starts to talk about how Jesus is the Christ. And he gives this sermon, and as he reaches the end, some of the people there are cut to the heart, and they say, what do we do to respond to this? This is what Peter says. This is Acts 2, verse 38. Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift the Holy Spirit. So there's kind of three or maybe four parts to his response. He says, repent. He says, be baptized. Um, and then kind of what happens is that you'll receive, you'll experience remission of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, what is amazing to me is that Peter himself 
just received the gift of the Holy Spirit moments before. So he doesn't really have a lot of experience <laughs> with this stuff yet. But by the power and revelation of the Spirit, he speaks boldly. And we know Peter doesn't really have a problem opening his mouth and declaring things boldly, even if he's wrong or right. But in this instance, he's right. And he's speaking by the Spirit. He's like, this is, this is what's happening. This is what you need to do. And whatever you see happening with us, 120 people, you're, the same thing is going to happen to you. Well, on that day, about 3,000 people respond and they repent. Um, I don't know how they handled the baptism, but they responded. They were added to the church and they must have worked all that out. And we then can kind of deduce, they received the Holy Spirit. They received the Holy Spirit. Now, they, at this moment when Peter gives this sermon, they don't really know what that means. What, what does it mean to receive the Holy Spirit? I mean, they, they could look at some of the scripture. They, maybe they were even um, talking about that scripture in Joel during that space of time between Jesus ascending into heaven and the day of Pentecost. They may have been discussing what is this going to look like. I mean, um, John the Baptist said, you'll be baptized with fire. Are they thinking... This will be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Like, we'll be in this fire. You know, what will this look like? And so, they're, maybe they're discussing that before it happens. But Peter doesn't know how it will impact people in, in a full sense because he's never seen it or experienced it. In fact, they, they still, they had very little clue to what was going on and how Jesus was going to build his kingdom. Because after Jesus said those words wait until you receive the Spirit. Between him saying that and him ascending into heaven, you know, moments later, they asked him, so are you going to restore the kingdom at this time? <laughs> you know, they're still thinking, well, maybe he's going to go kick the Romans out right now. They, you know, they really don't understand how it's going to work yet. Okay, I want to jump to the next chapter. Um, this is the next recorded sermon of Peter. Maybe it's the next day, maybe it's a little while later, um, doesn't say. But he concludes his sermon in a similar way. He says, repent. This is Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. So all this language is very similar. So that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And I believe... He's following kind of the same formula as this, the first sermon from the chapter before. But he's defining what is it like to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because I think they saw what happened to people. Now they know what, what happens when you receive the Holy Spirit. Times of refreshing come. And people experience a change in their life that's notable and right. noticeable, and you can talk about it, and you can describe it. Something happened when they received the Holy Spirit. Now they have some experience, and they can look at it. And he describes it like times of refreshing will come when you take this step. How many of us have experienced those times of refreshing? Yeah. I experienced that, those times of refreshing, and that's what, we're, that's what we're doing today. That's why we're here. Okay, well that refreshing 
Um, I was looking at the Greek for that, and it, and you know, when you look at it, literally it means to be resuscitated, you know, like to be brought back, or to catch your breath, to catch your breath. And for some reason, that phrase, to catch your breath, really stood out to me. Is there anyone here who is trying to catch their breath right. in life? Right? Okay, we are halfway through June, so maybe in July you'll catch your breath, right? Maybe July is kind of busy too, you've got this coming, okay, so what about August? August, but actually this is the summer, maybe in the, when the fall comes in September, some time to change the season, isn't that a good time to catch your breath? October is a safe bet, right? Don't we think that way? Are we ever going to catch our breath through that? No. Has it ever worked out? <laughs> Maybe occasionally on accident or something. You know, people were busy in Peter's time as well. That's right. They needed to catch their breath. Do you think that Jesus knew how busy you would be this week <laughs> when he said, I'm going to build my church. Did he have any idea? Yeah, he knew. Right? It wasn't a surprise. And I think that part of the gift of the Holy Spirit is it's the Lord's provision for us to catch our breath while we're living in a fallen world. Um, where it's just so easy to be running around like chickens with our heads cut off. And, um, and they observe that. He wants us to catch our breath in Him. And there's a provision to receive that life through Him. Now, I had experienced that um, even right from the beginning of being a Christian, and it really stood out to me because I didn't expect that. I didn't know that that was going to happen. That as I came in to worship the Lord, that I would feel His presence, and that I would be refreshed, that I would experience anything in Him at all. Um, but I did, and it really stood out to me. And now, all these years later, 24 years later, I'm still sticking to that experience. I'm still seeking Him for that. Earlier today, we were praying, we were preparing for tonight and tomorrow. And I had my ukulele with me, and we were out, we were staying at the Sears house, uh, Dan and Beth. And so we're singing a little worship song on the edge of the cornfield, sitting in some chairs, and looking for times of refreshing, looking for the presence of the Lord, and still looking for that. And not, I have not moved on to find something else. Now the writer of Hebrews um, talks about uh, this in, in Hebrews 2, verses 1 through 4. He says, Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest we drift away. Guys, we need to treasure what the Lord is doing. We need to not get so sophisticated that we move away from the things that we've experienced. The blessing, the times of His refreshing, like, we need to still be pressing in for that. We need to still be seeking Him for that. It's a resource to catch our breath. He goes on to say that we could, it's possible that we could neglect so great a salvation. 
Now, you, you almost can't imagine that, like when you're reading this story of what happened on the um, second chapter of Acts on the day of Pentecost, could you imagine being there and you hear the sound and you see the flames and you're speaking in Greek, but you don't know Greek, and someone's coming up to you saying, how do you know my language? And You know, it's such an amazing thing. You, you can't imagine that on that day you'd say, hey guys, I've really been hearing about Buddha lately, and I think I'm going to go check that out. Like, you just wouldn't do that, right? Because you're in the middle of this powerful encounter with the Lord, and it, it would, it, He would just seem so real to you. But over time, if you forgot about that and got caught up in other things, well, then maybe you could drift away. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is talking about. And in our time, just like back then, there are lots of ideas floating around that we could drift away into. But we need to come back to what the Lord has said. We need to not neglect the salvation um, that he's given us. And part of that salvation, right here at the beginning of the church, is that when you get saved, he wants to fill you with his spirit, and he wants to give you times of refreshing. He wants you to be able to catch your breath and to live a life where you're catching your breath. And I think it's not just a one-time thing, but we ought to be continually filled. How many people want to live in that place where you're catching your breath? You see, so many times we are trying to accomplish that by um, the things that we can do ourselves, things in the natural. We, we might even like work extra hard to try to get caught up and skip having days off. I actually did that recently and I kind of like shot myself in the foot because I didn't actually get ahead because I ended up just being worn out. Or we could pull back extra and you know, maybe watch too much Netflix or whatever else. Um, and maybe some of those things aren't bad to do and measure, but really, really, really we're looking for what he is pouring out through his spirit. Um, jumping down in that chapter two of Hebrews, the writer says this. He talks a little bit about what Jesus did for us. And um, coming in halfway through verse 14, that through death, he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. So Jesus, through death, came to destroy the one who had the power of death, that is, the devil, right? He came to destroy the devil. And release those who, through fear of death, were all their lifetime subject to bondage. And that's us. He came to release us from bondage. And what bondage? The bondage that comes from being under the fear of death. And I think we could expand that out, not just the fear of dying, but the fear of seeing the results of death. Everything that stems from the fall of man that came from the Garden of uh, Eden. All of the things that could go wrong in life. And we could be living under the fear of things break, Things go wrong, people die, people oppress one another, people get sick, maybe I'll get sick, um, people hate one another, people reject one another. All of this stuff is a taste of death flowing out. He came to set us free from being in fear of those things. He wants to set us free. 
And then all of those things that happen, you know, to fix that costs money a lot of times, and then our money's gone, and then that's another problem, right? He's come to set us free. He's come to bring us back to that place. And how do we get there? I think we just kind of step back to that same uh, process at the very beginning. Repent. Be converted. That your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And we can keep coming to Him again and again. I repent for being under these fears. I repent for that. And we seek Him and He renews us he wants to pour out his spirit and pour out times of refreshing. Okay, I'm going to add a couple of points to this. As we were coming into the Pentecost season, I was just thinking about what are the, some of the things that happen to us when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you're interested, you can go on our podcast at New Day in Charleston and, and hear the full message. But there's a couple of things I want to offer to you Receive me. The first one is I was remembering how um, when Stephen was being stoned, you know, people are angry, people are gnashing their teeth at him, it says in, in the book of Acts. And um, they're picking up stones and they're about to throw these big stones at him. And the scripture says that he, being filled with the Holy Spirit, lifted up his eyes. And he said, look, I see the Father in heaven, and I see the Son at his right hand. And it occurs to me that what happens when we're filled with the Holy Spirit is that we are empowered to go through difficult things. But we are given a completely different perspective on reality. If he had only been looking with his carnal eyes, he would have seen angry men gnashing their teeth at him, the scripture says, and ready to brutally murder him by an excruciatingly painful process. And yet, being filled with the Spirit, he saw another reality, a higher reality. And I started thinking about all the times that that kind of thing has happened to me. And the one that popped into my head was, uh, years ago, Scott and I are just about to celebrate our 16th anniversary. And um, I remembered right after we got married, we had met in Toronto. We were both on staff at the School of Ministry, and we were earning a valiant salary of $50 a week. That was what we earned. And so we got married, we had, you know, zero money. Um, we didn't really know what the future held for us. We both felt a call to ministry. And we happened to be going back to England to visit my family. And my dad had invested, uh, you know, tens of thousands and thousands of pounds into a private school education for me, into going to university. And my dad and my dad's family, their whole uh, way of communicating revolves around what do you have? How much did you spend? How flashy can it be? And all of that. And we're driving over in my mom's car that we borrowed over to my dad's house to visit. My mom and dad were divorced. And I just came under this feeling like 
complete insecurity, feeling like a total loser, like what are we going to tell my dad? Yeah, we have no money, we don't know what we're going to do with our lives, we think that God's calling us to follow after him. And we're driving up to my dad's, you know, flashy house, and I know all my brothers are in there with their, you know, how much they're earning and what they're doing. And I just thought to myself, I cannot play that game. But as we were driving up to the house, the Holy Spirit said to me, let me fill you. Let me show you what this really looks like. You see, my dad and his wife and my brothers, none of them know the Lord. And as we pull into the driveway, the Holy Spirit opened my eyes and I saw not a beautiful, expensive home, but a hovel with broken windows and rags on the, on the where the curtains should have been. And as the door opened, I saw not, uh, you know, my dad's wife and his brothers in all their, you know, designer clothes and glittering with jewelry, but I saw orphans, emaciated, hungry, reaching out for bread. And I saw not a table with prime rib and all the fancy food, but just stale bread with maggots. And I saw tremendous poverty. And the Lord opened my eyes and he said, they are poor. And greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And don't ever think that you don't have riches that exceed those in the world. And I'm telling you, it completely set me free of that dangerous feeling of insecurity that was rising up to rob me of the understanding of the power of the gospel. And I thought to myself, I can't play your game, but I can play my game, and I'm coming to fish for your souls. And for years after that, we never came under that same dynamic, and we have boldly preached the gospel to my brothers, my dad, and his wife. And the last thing I said to my dad before he passed away four years ago, I leaned over to him in his bed, and I said, Dad, I have told you again and again the gospel. But now let me tell you this. When you feel your life slipping away from you, you call out on the name of Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And he passed away two weeks later. And I, I don't know what happened in his heart and that's between him and the Lord. But being filled with the Holy Spirit will give you a better reality, a true reality on your circumstances. One more thing. In Luke chapter 4, it records that Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, was led by the Spirit. Luke 4 verse 1, then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And there is a dynamic, a principle that is shown to us there in the life of Jesus, that when we are filled, we will be led. And I have noticed across the world, friends that we have, across the body of Christ, there is sometimes such a predilection with the object of being led. God, what are you saying? Should I do this? Should I do that? Should I go here? Should I go there? Should I go to this or that? Or this one or that one? And the, the obsession with the object that we want can sometimes in itself become the sin of idolatry. That we become more focused on that decision, that thing, that eventuality, than just being filled with the, 
third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. And the dangerous thing about that dynamic is that God promises through the prophet in the Old Testament that we would be prophesied to according to the idols in our hearts. And sometimes we're, oh, and I saw a sign, and I saw a sign, and I knew I should do that, and then I got this word, and I saw this sign, and then I'm driving down the road, and I saw this sign, and they go off through this door, and then two years later, it all turns out to be nothing. We have to be people of substance. We have to be people that when people, that when others look at our life story, it makes a certain sound. That we are not a clanging gong or a crashing cymbal when people look at our lives. Because we're chasing after signs and empty words. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will lead us in the way that we should go. And it is an anchored way. It is a strong way to walk. And being filled with the Holy Spirit is a discipline that will cost you something. It will cost you your time. It is not a cheap thing to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It will cost you your time. It will cost you your attention. It will cost you your devotion. But in these days, the Holy Spirit is looking for friends. He's looking for friends. And a friend is someone you trust. A friend is somebody that likes to spend time the way that you spend time. A friend is somebody who's willing to go somewhere with you sometimes and not always have it your way. A friend is somebody who wants to share heart to heart with you, who wants to pass the hours with you. And I think even in this room tonight, the Holy Spirit is looking for friends. He's looking to fill us up. And all we have to do many times is to repent. Maybe there's something in our lives the Holy Spirit doesn't like. Maybe there's something that's taking up a spot that He would like to have. We repent. We receive the remission of our sins through the broken body of Jesus and His shed blood. And then we're filled with the Holy Spirit. How many of you, let's close our eyes for a minute. Last Sunday at church, just at the end of the worship, the Holy Spirit said, I said, oh, Holy Spirit, I just want to be your friend. I want to be a better friend to you. And he asked me this question. He said, do you want to work more closely with me? Ooh, I said, yes, I do. And he said, well, then you have to repent of your pride. So I just got up in front of the whole church and shared that word. And I said, I repent of my pride. I'm still trying to figure out what that means. But Holy Spirit, if there's something we need to turn away from, lay aside. And sometimes it's not sin, sometimes it's just distraction. Just show us, Holy Spirit. something came to mind, I'd like to ask you to stand up with me. I'm going to repent of pride again. <laughs> Just stand up. You know, there's, there's no shame in saying we need to repent. 
This means the Holy Spirit's active in your heart. So let's pray together. Pray after me. Father God, I confess before you the sin of just tell him me it's pride. I'm so sorry. I don't want to be that way. I don't want that in my life. I want to work more closely with you. Well, the nice thing about confessing sin is that he likes to come and wash us. So, Holy Spirit, come and sanctify us right now. Jesus washes in your blood again this evening. We receive the remission of our sins. So now, let's lift up our hands. Let's just say, Holy Spirit, fill me up again. <laughs> I want to catch my breath this evening. I want to catch your breath from heaven. Let's just take a moment to just breathe in now in this room. And as we're doing that, we're... Acknowledging that we're breathing in his presence as well. Times of refreshing, Holy Spirit. Come and bring us times of refreshing. Just stay in the spot for a minute. Just lean into his presence. And we don't always have to feel it in the moment. We can believe him in faith that we receive it and we notice it after the fact because we see the difference when it works out. So, Holy Spirit, come. We still need what you gave on the day of Pentecost. We still need to be living in that place of your refreshing. We still need that. And we repent for any way that we have been trying to get refreshing um, and we've, we've crossed the line and we've done something wrong. We repent. Hmm. And we just say, you are it. <laughs> you are the one. Yeah. Holy Spirit, you are the one for us. And we say, come and fill us up. We're, we're hungry for you. Would you release refreshing? Just pray, Lord, that you'd come and lift burdens off of us that we shouldn't be carrying. Come and lift burdens off of us. Come and transform us. Come and transform us into the image of Christ. Come and transform us into his glory. Come and fill us with peace. Thank you, Lord. Just place your hand on someone nearby and say, Holy Spirit, come fill this person up. Holy Spirit, come and fill this person up. 
Holy Spirit, come and fill us up. We want to be a people that lives from your presence. We want to be a people that live out of your presence. Thank you. Christian, it was about three weeks in, and I was meeting with Ken Norberg, who was the pastor, and he said, you know, your face looks different, and I said, what are you talking about? I grew up my whole life, um, at that point, 20 years not knowing Jesus, kind of rejecting God, he said, your whole face looks different, have you noticed? And I said, no, he said, go home and look in the mirror. And I went home, and for about 20 or 30 minutes, I stared at my face <laughs> in the bathroom, and I looked like a different person. I was so blown away and amazed at the light that was coming out of my own eyes and the transformation. He wants to refresh us. He wants to change us. He wants to bring that kind of uh, transformation and I still need it. He transformed me then. I've not graduated or moved past that. And I don't think you have either. So, there you go. Amen.